0: All right, Soul Company, who wants some gifts? Who wants some free stuff? Come on. Come on. Joel, make sure you hit those girls we sat next to. Let's go. Oh, thank you. I love it. There's a buzz. It's rowdy in here. We need it to, we need the energy tonight. I just have to tell you guys something that happened to me. I was so stoked for this big football tournament that was happening. Drake got me all amped up. Joel and I came with our gear. We had our cleats. I mean, I was ready to go. I come out and Staff, what happened? Drake, where are you at? What Come, hey, well Joel and I were just standing there like what, can you tell me what happened? Where long story. We wanted the students to get a chance to win. Oh he wanted the students to have a chance to win. Such a benevolent leader. So kind of you to step aside so others could get the spotlight. Well, all right, there was some talent out there. Not sure the staff would have would have won that, but that's all right. So yeah, yes, we got some we got some routes in. Thanks for thanks for uh, throwing us some balls. That was good. All right, so tonight, this is where we've been. Uh, last night we talked about we're talking about staying salty. Don't want to lose our saltiness. Never want salt company to be a misnomer, Uh, that we call ourselves a salt company, but people show up and there's no salt. Uh, You guys leave your Wednesday night gatherings and there's no salt. You've lost your saltiness. We don't want to lose our saltiness. So what does that mean? Uh, Friday night we talked about the greatest success in our lives will be the fact that we know Jesus. He knows us. We're saved. We're loved. And that is our greatest success we talked about not losing our salt this morning is being a people of truth and grace, that we are people who proclaim the word of God, but we're not angry about it. Uh, we, we know the truth, but that makes us a people of grace that share it in love and, and show people uh, Jesus Christ. Um, tonight, we are going to talk about what this kind of salty life looks like in real life. What would this look like, lived out over a lifetime? And tonight, it's the story of my dad. A salty life. This is, um, for some of you guys, um, this is going to be, here's the thing. um, One of the most fundamental things about your faith is what comes to mind when you think about God. That's A.W. Tozer, uh, this old dead guy. He said, the most important thing about you Is what comes to your mind when you think about God. And when the disciples asked Jesus, hey Jesus, we want to learn how to pray. He said, here's here's how I want you to pray. Here's how you approach God. And the first thing out of his mouth is, say our Father. And for some of you, that's a really hard thing for you to understand about God. Because maybe your dad wasn't in the picture, maybe your dad was a horrible picture of who God is, and so those words are kind of hard, our father. And tonight, um, I want you to see a picture of just a a real life dad. Um, This is not to stir up like dad guilt, like I have a cool dad and blah, blah, no, I want to give you a picture of um a little picture maybe of what God is like. And there's a cool thing in the Bible when Jesus says, "Do you guys remember when after the Jesus talking to the rich young ruler and and he says uh you know it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom and 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 the disciples are like, who can get to heaven then? And uh, and Jesus he he talked to that rich young that, that rich young ruler about you gotta sell everything to follow me and whatever. And Peter says, Peter's like, Whoa, like we've left everything to follow you, Jesus. And remember when Jesus said, Oh Peter, I tell you that if you have left your father, mother, brother, and sister, you will not fail to receive a thousand times more in the present life. And even if you've left your father, mother, brothers and sisters, and you'll gain a thousand times more in this life. It's a weird kind of enigmatic, mysterious statement that Jesus makes, but I think what he's saying is when you become a Christian, you enter a family, and maybe you didn't have a great dad, maybe you didn't have brothers and sisters, fathers or mothers, but when you step into the church, the family of God, you get like this massive family, and it's beautiful, it's the church. And so tonight, as I talk about my dad, um, I just hope that it will be an encouragement to you because many of you are putting a stake in the ground and your parents don't define you. Like Jesus defines you. Your heavenly father defines you. And for some of you, this retreat is like a stake in the ground that the generations that come after you are going to be different than the generations that went before you. You know what I'm saying? And so tonight, as we talk about this, I hope that this will be an encouragement to you. Not just future leaders, but future moms, future dads. That this will be kind of a vision for you to live into, of a salty life. A life of decades of faithfulness to Jesus. And so we're going to go through, and I'm just going to share six things that I learned from my dad about this kind of example of what it means to not lose your saltiness. And I'm going to hit up some scriptures. Um, I don't know if, I think these notes will be on the screen, Um, but the first one is Proverbs 3, 3 through 4. So we're not in, we're going to be jumping around, okay? So I'm going to give you a, a passage and then some notes to think about. So the first passage is Proverbs 3, 3 through 4. Listen, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and people. Between God and man. Okay, this verse defines, my dad has lived this out. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Here's the thing, I think that your generation wants to change the world, right? Your generation wants to be amazing and do amazing things. You want to, this generation hates injustice, like youth generation, you guys want to get to third world countries, Haiti, Africa, whatever, and you want to bring clean water. You want to start nonprofits. You are not content to just sit back. Like you want to do something amazing, and even what's interesting is, you know, generations before used to name their kids like like basic names. You know, like my parents are Jack and Linda. That's a common like, John, Robert, stuff like that. Well, this generation is like like my kids. Um, they got really unique names like Mackay, Beck you know those those types of unique names cuz we wanted our kids to be special right our kids were special and unique and we like this idea of our kids being special but listen to this first point here's what i want to say to you guys from proverbs 3 don't be amazing just be faithful Here's what faithfulness is. Let me define faithfulness for you. This is my dad's definition of faithfulness. Faithfulness is just showing up. This is the amazing thing. People in our church that think they're like diehard Veritas, committed people, they come to church like once or twice a month And they think that's like super committed Um, I don't think a lot of people today Know what it means to be faithful And faithfulness is just showing up My dad says this all the time He's like Mark 99% of ministry is just showing up My dad um, became a leader in our church back home It was a very large church And I was like dad how did you become a leader in this church And he's like Well, I just kept showing up, and they're just like, look around the room, and like, well, Jack's still here, right? (laughs) A lot of other people have left, but he's still here. You know, my dad says about us as errants, he has this thing, he's like, Mark, uh, the errants are on the cutting edge of mediocrity. We are almost good at a lot of things, but we're not good at anything. We are like the most ordinary, average people on earth. And the only thing we can do is just keep showing up. You know, sometimes um, we use the excuse like we see someone doing something amazing and we think I could never do that. Like my connection group leader, they're just so good. They're so extroverted. They make people feel like they're at home. They, you know, are good with people. They're good with asking questions like I could never do that. Here's the thing my dad says. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. That's the bar. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus calls us to do certain things that you might not be good at. Like we talked this morning about sharing the gospel. Most of us are just not good at sharing the gospel. But you know what we do? We share it anyway. Because why? It's worth doing. So if you can do a poor job of telling people about Jesus, you should do it. If you can do a poor job of leading a connection group, you should totally do it. Like, just be a poor connection group leader. Because what's the alternative? Just like not. If like anything worth doing is worth doing poorly, we have the excuse, like, I could never do that. Like some of you are looking at me and you're like, I could never do that. Well, guess what? If you end up in a church where you're the only one that's willing to do it, and you can do a poor job of teaching the Bible, you should totally do it. Because it's better than not doing it at all, right? If you can be a, do a poor job of leading worship, then if you're the only one that can do it, you should do it. That's the lesson I learned from my dad. Yes, I can do a poor job of that. Awesome. I'm in. And out of our, my dad's mediocre ministry of just showing up, my dad has discipled church planters, pastors, elders. He has invested his life over decades and decades into young men, and my mom, the same with young women, and they have impacted. I mean, the Salt Network, like some of the guys that started the City Light Church in Omaha. My parents are a part of that church. Like dad, you know, discipled some of those, uh, those pastors and leaders. I look at my life, uh, countless others. And it's just this idea of showing up. One of the cool things, um, a student in our ministry was, was sitting like you guys, and, and he got home from the retreat and on his wall He had a poster that said, change the world. And he went home, crossed it off with a Sharpie, and under it he wrote, just be faithful. Austin Claver, he's now our our youth pastor uh, down in Iowa City. And my dream for you guys is the dream of being faithful. Did the picture come up uh, of my, my parents? So... My parents are on their, they're celebrating their 53-year anniversary. It didn't come up. Sorry about that. And that's on me. Um, And so my parents are just celebrating 53 years, um, and and they texted me a picture. um, And to me, it's a picture of, like, decades and decades of just faithfulness. And that's my dream for you. I think that would be an awesome vision for your life is to be that kind of person. That's what I want for myself. Here's a question, maybe in your connection groups, is in what area of your life have you stopped showing up? Next scripture, First Timothy six, six through ten. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That means if you have God, you have everything you need. Remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. That's the statement here. If you have God, you have everything you need. There's a saying, the person who has God and everything has no more than the person who has God only. If you have God, you've got all you need. So here's the point I want you to write down. Point number two, saltiness lived out, contentment. Contentment is wanting what you already have. If you can learn this, this will save yourself from from piercing yourself with many griefs in this life. Contentment is wanting what you already have. It's like you're walking through the mall and you're like, why would I want that? Because I want my, like, I want my t-shirt, not that one. I want my shoes, not that. That's contentment, which is the opposite of covetousness. Like, you want all this stuff you don't have. My parents never made a lot of money. We had to be frugal because things were always tight my parents uh my grandpa grandpa bill lived through the great depression lived through world war ii was in the war and so things were tight for my par- my dad growing up and my my grandpa was very cheap and he said yeah um i'm so cheap that when i die i want you to freeze me with my legs crossed and just screw me into the ground right that's kind of morbid, right? But hilarious, right? My grandpa is so cheap, like, I don't waste the money on the coffin, right? Just kind of screw me into the ground. Uh, yeah, a little morbid, but that's the deal. Um, my, this, this this idea of of contentment, you know, this is something you have to cultivate in your life. So most of you are gonna go, you're, you're, many of you are in college right now, you're gonna go make a ton of money, right? You're going to drop some serious coin on lake houses and SUVs and like you're going to have a lot of stuff, right? And that's great. That's great. Like make sure you let other people use your stuff and there's nothing wrong with having stuff. Even in this uh, 1 Timothy 6 passage, he says God has given us everything for our enjoyment. So that's, there's good things. But, but this, this lesson of contentment is so important because you are bombarded with these messages and this uh this woman that was discipling my mom she would we used to have newspapers I don't even know if you know what those are anymore but she would take the newspaper and she would throw out all the ads before she started reading it because she's like I don't need to see a bunch of stuff I don't need to see all the things that I don't need right? Now this generation, for sure, like social media, like this is, we're on Amazon, we're on whatever, and we're just, that's all we're seeing, right? Instagram, like, oh, I want her shirt, or I want this thing. Like, this is what we crave. And so, if you will learn this principle, you're going to be salt in the world, because people don't know how to be content. Contentment in this world is just getting more stuff. And we know that will never satisfy. Third thing, Lamentations 3, Lamentations 3 verse 22 through 23 it says because of the Lord's faithful love we do not perish for his mercies never end because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness here's what that means Every single morning you open your eyes, God just has a new truckload of mercies that he just wants to dump into your life. That verse is so encouraging. Here's one of the things that I've learned from my dad. My dad, um, over the years, he would start a lot of different Bible reading things, you know, he'd go through different phases where he'd read through the Bible in a year, or sometimes he would do journaling, sometimes he would, uh, you know, do a lot of scripture memory, different things, but it seemed like my dad was always, whatever he started, he ended up stopping at some point, right, and that's been my experience too, um, where, where whatever I start, I end up stop doing, like, man, I really need to journal, like, I go to a retreat like this, and I'm like, man, I need to I need to get in the word, and what happens? Like, I end up stopping, right? I start in Genesis, Genesis, maybe get to Exodus, definitely by Leviticus, I've dropped off, and and I'm like, I just quit. I just can't do this. Here's the third point I want to make from this Lamentations 3, and, and this is something my dad has modeled to me. Master the restart. You might even say that this is the key to the Christian life. That's pretty bold when someone says something like that. But here it is. Master the restart. What that means is, whatever you start doing, you'll likely stop doing at some point. So the key to the spiritual life is just get good at starting over. Right? That's all you have to do, is just start over. Why can we start over? Because we know that His mercies are new for us. We're not needing to do penance and make up for lost time, right? We can just start over where we're at right now. Just get good at starting over. Some of you have some some habits that you you need to start, some of you, for the first time. You need to go home, and tomorrow, some things need to change in your life, some new habits. And for the first time, you're going to begin a habit of reading the Bible every day. Some of you need to restart some things in your life, in your connection groups. What are the things that you need to restart in your relationship with the Lord? Okay, next verse, Philippians 4.4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. This is the Apostle Paul in prison telling us to be joyful. In the book of Acts, we see Paul in prison singing songs, joyful songs in a horrible situation. Here's a statement that my dad says all the time. This is the fourth point. This is salty. This is what it means to be salty. If you want it to be there, you got to bring it. If you want it to be there, you got to bring it. What do I mean by this? My kids, sometimes they complain about going to youth group. And I'm like, what's wrong? Why don't you want to go to youth group? They're like, oh, it's lame. It's boring. We don't want to go. I'm like, well, you're there so it shouldn't be lame if you want it to not be lame you got to bring the fun you got to bring the party it's like life is like a potluck everybody shows up with something and they put it on the table right people go like oh soul company so clicky people don't love each other. No, not you guys but ours probably i know you guys there's no clicks here everybody loves everybody perfect unity it's awesome but you'll hear that right like oh it's so so this or that okay here's the thing if you want there to be love at salt company you know what you got to do you got to bring the love if you want it to be warm and inviting you know what you got to bring the warmth and the life if you want it to be exciting and joyful you got to bring the joy and as a christian you got to think about your life in those contexts like not i'm just waiting around for someone else to bring it no if you want it to be there you got to bring it that's one thing i learned about my dad in philippians 4:4 4, 4, paul's sitting in prison and he's bringing the joy into the prison into the darkness into that situation i can just hear his voice Ringing out through the prison. My dad says, you're going to live anyway. You might as well be happy about it, right? Like, you got to bring joy into your life and, and the situations you find yourself in. We'll, we'll talk about this more in a second. The fifth thing, Isaiah 41.10, this scripture says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This would be a great verse to know. Here's the thing I want you to write down in light of this. what my dad says we don't live by explanations we live by promises that scripture that i just read to you is one of the most amazing promises in the bible isaiah 41 10 stuff is going to happen to you that you don't understand And you're going to ask, why? But faith does not work by us knowing the mind of God. It works by trusting the goodness of God. You are going to find yourself in situations that you don't understand that are confusing to you. And if you try to figure out why, you will go crazy because we will never know this side of heaven. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, this is right after God gives them the law, the 10 commandments and, and this whole book of Deuteronomy. And he says, he says, the things revealed to you belong to you and your children, but the secret things belong to the Lord. Romans 11 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And his paths are beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him for from him and through him and to him are all things. His ways are beyond tracing out. We had um, uh, one of our staff at Salt Company... They struggled for years with infertility, couldn't have children. And finally, they were in the adoption process. They got to the point where they're like, maybe God's calling us to adopt. So so they went through the process. It took a couple years for them to to get even a call about a child. And and, uh, this was an open adoption situation Um, And so they they finally got a call. They went down to Texas. We were on a staff retreat. We were all praying and super excited to hear they finally got a baby. This is amazing. And they went down. The mother had just given birth, and they were going to go. And they got to hold the baby. And the day they were supposed to leave, the mother changed her mind. And they had to drive home without the baby. And she called us on our staff retreat. And we just cried and prayed. And the next day, she called us back and she said, you'll never believe what just happened. This baby died of SIDS sudden infant death syndrome or I think that's what it stands for this you guys the baby like God didn't let her go home with the baby because he knew and I think that all of our suffering like we don't always get to see how things work out like oh wow God was really protecting us and it's a terrible tragedy right it's It's a horrible situation, but God was protecting her and and them in this situation from the the grief that they would have had. And for a moment, she got a window into eternity, and God just telling her, trust me, trust me, trust me, I got this. I think our whole life is going to be like that. We're like, why, God? And he shows us why. That even our suffering in love, the things we don't understand the explanations we want from God, but the things he won't explain to us because we'll never understand it with our little finite minds. And he's calling us to trust him. Trust me, trust me. Some of you are going through some things right now and Jesus is saying to you, trust me. Do you trust me? Christians don't live by explanations. They live by promises. The last verse I want to read to you is Colossians 3. It says, so if you've been raised with Christ. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There is a future glory coming. There is a day, and I think we're gonna sing about it, and we're gonna make it loud, and we're gonna, we are gonna declare our hope, hear it a little bit as we close our time in worship. But here's the point I wanna say. The best days are always ahead of you. If you are a Christian and you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and you believe that your life is with Christ in God, and that you also will appear with him in glory, if you know that that is your future, what that means is the best days are always ahead of you. No matter how bad your life gets, the best is always yet to come my dad uh my parents were at our house visiting and they were leaving and uh my mom was driving and they pulled out of the neighborhood and they forgot something so i had to come back and so mom's in the car dad runs into the house we're like "Ah, oh, see you later dad and as he's going out i hear a, a thump and like, what was that and i go out my dad had tripped down the stairs hit his head on a, like a, we had a trailer and it was like a steel edge, and he was laying there, just out. And for those of you that have, uh, you don't want to know the details of what I saw, but we had to rush him to the hospital. Got to the hospital, he kind of comes to, they've got a, do an x-ray, MRI on his head to see if his skull is fractured. And the doctor says, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is your skull is not fractured. The bad news is you have a massive tumor in your brain. And my dad looks up at my mom and i with a big smile and he says my life is hid with christ in god quoted colossians 3 and it was like this is the best day of my life because i have no idea what jesus is about to do but to live as christ so if he heals me that's going to be awesome and it'll be a miracle for everyone to see Or if I die, that will be even better because I've been waiting my whole life to see Jesus. Like, this is a massive win-win situation. And I learned from my dad what it looks like when someone truly believes that their life is hidden with Christ in God and that when he appears, we will appear with him in glory. Let me get practical on this point. Drew tipped me off to this book. He's like, Mark, I think you'll love this book. It's called The Art of Possibility. I read it. He's like, I think this is kind of a summary of your life. And one of the things in this book uh, it talks about is what we need to learn how to do. It's It's not a Christian book, but I think they're articulating this point practically Here's, here's the thing, as Christians, we need to live into this optimism that we have about our life in view of the resurrection of the dead. And so, one way to do that practically is when things happen in your life that are terrible, that you don't expect. Learn to say the word, literally, learn how to say this word when something unexpected and crazy, and maybe hard, happens in your life, learn to say this word, fascinating. You have a massive tumor in your brain. Fascinating. Totally not what I expected. Even in the practical things, We've been planning this trip to Florida, looking forward to this trip to escape the winter of Minnesota or Iowa. And we look at the forecast and it's cold and rainy all week long. Fascinating. And some of us Um, We need to change our vocabulary in another way practically on this point is that instead of saying but, learn to replace but with and. Here's what I mean. We were going to go to Florida. We were going to have such a great time, but it's raining all week. Replace but with we're going to go to Florida. And it's raining all week. We're going to have more time together, my wife and I, in our Airbnb. Like, think of all the things we could do, like going to a movie, playing some games, more time to just do what married people do, those kinds of things, right? It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be amazing. You can handle things like this. So because to the pure, all things are pure. I'm telling you, like, hey, it's going to be fascinating, right? Hey, here's another thing. I don't know if I'll ever get you back from that, but just saying. Stuff in life happens that you don't expect. I can't get into med school I got laid off, fascinating. How is God working in this situation for my good, His glory? I want to close with this story because I I want you guys, Salt Company, to be the most joyful, optimistic, hopeful people on your campus and in your world. And right now it seems the only hope that people have is getting their political leaders in power. The only hope people have is achieving some kind of standard of living or whatever it is. Like people are just hoping in, in the things of this world and they have no hope. Um, I want you guys to be the most hopeful, optimistic people in the world. There was this, um, there was this, uh, this guy, his name was Joseph Sasan. I think he was, a, he was a Romanian pastor back, um, and he was enduring persecution. And actually, they, they told him that he needed to stop preaching the gospel, preaching the Bible, that he needed to shut down his church. And they threatened him with death. And they said, if you don't stop preaching the word, we are going to kill you. And he said this, he said, well, if you're going to use your weapon on me, then that's going to force me to use my weapon on you. Your weapon is your sword to kill me, but I will have no other option but to use my weapon on you, and that is to die. And if you kill me, my blood will soak into the ground and soften the hearts of this entire country. And my sermons will be spread out and the name of Jesus will be preached all over Romania. Don't make me use my weapon on you. Christian, you have nothing to fear in this life. And the things that are causing you fear and anxiety right now Jesus wants you to know that he's got this. And this is what it means to be salt in the world. We are a people who have an incredible hope. It's the hope of glory. It's the hope of when we see Jesus, we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. That's what we're going to sing about. That's what we're going to get rowdy about as we close in worship. Let's pray together. We're gonna do something a little different. So you guys, um, worship team's coming up. So here's what I want you to do. Um, let's do this. Um, let's start. let's just gonna close our eyes here, and we'll get give ourselves some some sacred space and some quiet here for a second. What you're seeing before you, um, the guy up here on stage who's been talking this week, um, when I was sitting in your chair um, as a college student, I was just a schmo, like the most average, ordinary person. And I'm still, I still feel that. And, but something happened to me. Um, I, I was in the car and, and I, I was just kind of thinking reflecting on how I could never do anything great for God because I was just like kind of mediocre, average, ordinary. And I heard someone, uh, this preacher on the radio said, when he was young, he just held out his hands Uh, to the Lord and got on his knees in his bedroom and just asked the Lord with his hands out, he just said, use me. I'm gonna invite you to just take your ordinary average self and get before the Lord tonight with your hands out and just, just say, Use me. Come on. I don't want to, you know, I don't need to be amazing and change the world, but just, I just want to show up. I want to be faithful. And God, could you use me? You know, the thing you might want to get out of this retreat is if God can use Mark, he can use anybody. Right? We're just, there's no extraordinary people in this room. But God is here. And so as we worship right now, I just want you to have the freedom to to get in whatever posture you need to get in to get before the Lord. Maybe you want to, you can stay seated, hold out your hands. If you want to get on your knees, if you want to stand up with your arms out, maybe some of you need a little bit of space and you kind of want to spread out Is that cool, Nate, if they just, so right now, um, Nate's going to lead us, the band's going to lead us, would you just take a moment, it's okay, this is you and the Lord right now, just get in the posture that best kind of reflects where your heart is at right now. Don't worry about what the people around you think, but just kind of, if you need to spread out, if you need to, just get before the Lord right now.